Hello and welcome to the Get French Football News preview show. I'm Jake Smales, filling in again for Lewis McParlane while he hosts the first ever Get Football Mercato show, a live football transfer show with all the latest news across Europe um, regarding transfers. And you can catch that at twitch.tv forward slash getfootball on Thursdays at 9.30pm UK time. Today, we'll be eagerly casting our minds forward and offering up our voices on some of the riveting action coming up from this weekend in Ligue 1. It's a second consecutive top-of-the-table clash for Stade René as they take on Claude Puel's plucky young Saint-Étienne side. We'll be putting Lens under the microscope as they head down south to face Nîmes. And finally, Montpellier host struggling Dijon, where they will most likely cut through the mustard. We'll also be keeping you up to date with how Rams are getting on in their Europa League third qualifying tie, uh, which looks set to go into extra time as we speak. Um, I'm joined today by a man who has a particularly uh, particular affinity for a certain city in the west of France. Which one? I'm not sure I can remember, but it is Mr. Thomas Wiseman. Thomas, how's your Hungarian? Would you care to try and pronounce the name of Rams' opponents this evening? Um, I'm going to guess it, Ferrevar, or Fer, Ferrevar, that's my guess. We'll take that. I think that's, I loved the inflection and the subtle role. I was wrong at the start, but yeah. I think it was, I think it was lovely. <laughs> um, and, uh, uh, yeah, so, and they are, of course, formerly FC Videoton, who, as we were discussing slightly before starting recording, uh, beat Bordeaux in the playoffs for the Europa League a few years ago. So, uh, yeah, well, interesting to see how they get on tonight. Um, I'll also be joined by Jeremy Smith. Uh, Jez, we spoke last week about how Ibrahima Nian could be the player to step up and fill a potential Habib Diallo-shaped hole. How satisfied are you with his performance last weekend? Uh, yeah, we're really happy. Um, I mean, Diallo's still there at the moment. Can't quite get rid of him. Um, but... Nian's the man that they that they've put all their faith in. So, um, you know, like any striker, I think he needs confidence as much as, as sort of ability. And and so, you know, scoring a double like that has got to has got to hopefully, well, hopefully it's the start of a good run now. Yeah, it will be interesting to see how he gets on this season and also what does happen with that kind of ongoing saga with Diallo at Metz. Okay, so let's start this evening. Uh, if we may, with the weekend's big fixture, despite what the 5pm local time kickoff may have you believe, we have a top-of-the-table clash as Saint-Étienne host Rennes. Both sides find themselves at the top of the table after four matches with three wins, one draw and ten points each. Uh, a win in this game would see either side go clear at the top, although obviously it's early days in the season. So, the home side, Saint-Étienne, um, according to the guys in the preview show, this is the best start to a league season they've had since the 79-80 season. So, you know, a long time ago. Um, and on the podcast, they spoke about how they were surprised to see them where they are, given the way that they were nearly relegated last season. And, they were, and also by the fact that they were hit pretty hard financially by the pandemic. Um, Jez, what do you think their good start is down to? How would you explain it? Um, I think, uh, first of all, you've got to give Puel a huge amount of credit because, um, you know, although Yeni came in during last season, he was, he sort of was, at times, it looked like he was possibly close to, to going out the door. And then, as usual with, with, with Saint-Étienne, there's so many, it's kind of like the push me, pull you in Dr. Doolittle, that there's so many kind of um, presidents or um, people claiming to be the boss above the coach that it's, it's kind of a wonder that they get anything done. But I think because of his sort of stature within the, within the games, only within the French game, maybe he's got a little bit more more influence than um, than others in the past, and certainly since Gasset. And um, he's so I think he's he's sort of been able to call the shots. I mean, even yesterday it was interesting that um, when 
or the day before, sorry, when Leicester put in an improved bid for Fafana, the, the headline in the paper was that Puel was rejected it. It wasn't even that the club or the president was rejected it, it was Puel. Although that might have been a bit of mischief-making because of, of the Leicester connection, I don't know. But um, obviously the, the, the main thing that he's done, and it's something that he's always been very good at, whether at Lyon or Lille or um, originally at Monaco, um, is kind of bring in a lot of the young players and kind of shift a lot of the older ones. And um, it was always going to be a very risky move. Um, obviously, Ruffier was kind of the, the first one, but, you know, even um, Boudabouz and Villa, um, Kasri, players like that, he's he's kind of just, I, I guess, just made a stand and just very clearly said, you know, I'm not building a team around you. Look, look for another club because, you know, don't rely on me to, to give you much game time. Um, and that's good, always going to be a huge risk. Um, firstly, getting rid of such experienced players and secondly, um, putting all your faith in so many completely inexperienced players. But certainly at the moment it's working. Um, you know, it might be uh, because of sort of the, the kind of fearlessness and and. Um, kind of excitability of youth and maybe as the season goes on they'll tire or they'll feel more pressure or you know we'll have to see how that how they sort of deal with a, a dip in form but for the moment it's worked really well and and you have to say that they are a very talented group of players um, and on the other side players like Mvila like Kasri, like Budabuz, for me, they're on their day, they're very good, but they can also be extremely inconsistent and completely vanish from matches. So it's kind of a calculated risk that he's taken. And at the moment, it's worked. I think maybe he's able to assert more authority on, on younger players who maybe don't know their own minds so much. Um, and, you know, in you just look at the two players he scored at the weekend and actually the way that Nantes came back and, and Saint-Étienne tired maybe does say something about the sort of limitations of, of such a young team. But, you know, Aushish, um, who, you know, we've all heard a lot about for, for the last couple of years and Masson with a fantastic goal. You know, th these are really talented players. And, and if he can harness that ability, keep them all sort of, fit and firing and confident, which I think is the main thing, then, you know, I don't know if they're going to sort of last the distance kind of Europe-wise, but certainly they shouldn't be shouldn't come close to the, the struggles and the relegation fight that they had last year. Yeah, for sure. And th there's there's quite a lot to, to unpack there. But certainly, I think, I think it was um, Adam White of GFFN who wrote back a, a few months ago, kind of wrote back about how much the club needed a, rev a revolution because, because of how stale things had got last season. And, you know, with the departures of Yanam Vila and Johan Kabay and obviously Luik Peran retiring and then players like Ruffier and Kasri being frozen out, it, I think it's fair to say that there is a revolution going on, at least in terms of, of personnel. And, and what about that decision to make... Claude Puel kind of part of the board as you said Jez it's kind of always a bit topsy-turvy to work out what's going on um, at board level at Saint-Étienne but Claude Puel is supposedly you know has a big say about what goes on there um, do we feel that that decision last season that perhaps left a few people scratching their heads is paying dividends I think it, it certainly seems to be I think I can't remember if we, we discussed it last week, but Puel's got a very different reputation in England because of, you know, he did he did do well at Southampton. He didn't do so well at Leicester, um, but he was contending with, um, well, I don't know, different factors, you know, certain strikers who refused to even put in any effort for him, um, maybe expectations that the football would be... Um, better maybe unfair expectations from a from a club who you know rarely finishes top half of the table kind of thing um but certainly within france he's got a very good reputation um, didn't finish brilliantly at lyon but um firstly as a player then as a sort of physical trainer then as a coach he has got very good results um and so i think coming back to France, he's got a lot more authority. And maybe that was the thing with Saint-Étienne, maybe finally, um, you know, 
there's a, there's certainly not the only club where um, the directors of football possibly think they know a hell of a lot more about football than they actually do. But maybe um, at Saint Etienne, and certainly after Rochdor, who obviously um, carries kind of huge weight because of his great career as a player, after he left, maybe the, those who were left were thinking we do need someone who actually knows about football, who's kind of properly, you know has experience in the industry as a player and a coach to be making decisions off the pitch as well and and helping us out and if that's how it worked then I think the others have got to be given a bit of credit for sort of winding their necks in a little bit and and saying you know maybe we should leave some of these decisions to someone who who really knows and yeah so far so good it's very early it's a long road but it seems to be working out I think it's interesting to think back of, um, I'm thinking probably the start of last season, or, the, or sorry, the end of the, the season previous to that when we knew that Gasset was leaving. And I remember quite a lot of the players um, sort of, they had quite a, a say in who was replacing him. And I think it was, I can't remember his name now. Uh, it's Pranton, I think it was. Yeah, I think it was, yeah, I think it was Pranton. Um, and it was, most of the players were like, like Mvir and and Kabai and and people like that, and it seems there's been now a shift from from that contingent of players, and perhaps like like Jess said, um, with these younger players coming in, there's not as much um, influence that those in the squad might have had previously, because obviously the, the prance on appointment didn't really work out for them, um, and now they're giving it to they've given you know sufficient power to to Claude Puel to um, direct the team where he wants it to go. And so far, you know, it's looking, it's very good at the moment. I mean, last season, last season, Saint-Étienne, I wouldn't be looking forward to watching them as much as I am uh, this season. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, you know, I, I, I guess it does send a clear message, doesn't it? With these, a lot of these young players playing that, that the sort of reported, um, fallout with Ruffier and his mm. kind of grumbling behind the scenes you know perhaps it's a clear message from Puel that that kind of that kind of thing is not going to be tolerated yeah. and, and you can't you know, can't complain about how Jesse Moulin's done because he's been fantastic since he's re- returned and he's old I think he's older than Ruffier actually yeah um, right. yeah and he's been he's been at the club for a while but um it's good to see that he's actually sort of getting his his time in the light so say. But do do we worry that that this lack of experience will cost them in the long term? I know Jez mentioned kind of you know we'll, we'll wait and see whether whether things kind of fizzle out. But do we, I, you know, I guess there is that worry that that could happen because other than kind of Jesse Moulin and Mathieu Debouchy, for the most part, the the teams that that Puel has been fielding are very young teams. So you know, do we do we foresee like even after the the Nant game, for example, you know they were two 0 up and they were cruising and they hadn't conceded a goal I mm. think at that point in the league but you know that's obviously the first kind of blow or that they've or reality check that they've they've had D- do we think that maybe kind of that 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 kind of youthful exuberance will 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 cost them in the long term this season in terms of pushing on and trying to achieve a, a European place finish I think it depends it depends what you mean by yeah by what by cost them and what what their sort of targets for the mm-hmm. season are. I think after last season they've got a. It might be they're not a Monaco. I think maybe it's a little bit mm-hmm. too greedy for them to immediately be expecting sort yeah. of European qualification this year. So um, a little bit of stability. Um, you know, obviously, first of all, this summer they've got to fend off all these. Um, bids and which have unsettled for Fana, Buanga maybe could move as well. But I think if they keep what what they've got at the moment, um then yeah, I think mid table stability at worst, maybe European football at best, and then as every French club has to do, then reassess next year based on who's gonna stay, who's gonna go, how much money they've got to spend. Um but, you know, certainly players like Buanga and and Fafana surely are not gonna still be still be there this time next year. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, it, it depends what their project is. Is it stability, is it um 
selling to make money or is it genuinely looking to to make europe every year yeah and i guess we'll 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 watch how that unfolds and work out what what exactly that is you've got to think with kind of how how well they did under under Jean-Louis Gasset and qualifying for the Europa League and you know pushing pushing for the Champions League at some points that season and the fact that the the model was so clearly at that point bringing in those experienced players to to match with the kind of academy products the it, it will be interesting to see you know whether there has been a drastic shift in terms of uh, in terms of project or ethos but yeah we look forward to seeing how that how that pans out this season but, I guess I mean just on. just quickly just um, this is, you know, Saint-Étienne won the Coupe Grombardella a couple of years ago. So it's not, they clearly are a very talented young group of players. So it's not the craziest risk in the world. I mean, I'm not going to sort of compare them with the sort of mid-90s Man United team. But this is a nucleus of young players that the club know are big talent. So um, I don't think it's just the case of... Um, putting putting them on the pitch because they know they can do a job for them. I'm sure there is an element of, you know, get as many of them in the limelight as we can and we'll probably will make some money out of them. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair and and a talented crop they are. Let's move on to to Ren. So we'll just touch on this because I know we talked about him him uh, last week, but but Edouard Mendy now has completed his move to Chelsea. I mentioned last week that Kevin Trapp um, was being linked as a potential replacement. Are you guys aware of anyone who's being being linked uh, to the the Ren number one position, or um, are there any players in any keepers in Ligue 1 or perhaps elsewhere in Europe that you view as good replacements? Um, Thomas, we'll start with you. I think the latest rumor I saw was um, Gomez from from Dijon. I think it was the the fee was around ten million or something like that, um, and uh, I mean I don't think he's as secure in his dis- distribution as as Mendy was, but from what we saw last season at Dijon, I think he probably was the main reason why they they did survive um, even in the yeah. curtailed curtailed league. But his shot stopping and especially his ability to you know claim crosses is um, is on par with with Mendy. So it's not not too um, not too risky of a of a, a transfer. I wouldn't say. I mean, ten million is quite a lot, but um, for somebody we've already seen perform quite well in Liga, um, it should be a good good sign to replace uh, Mendy with his Senegalese compatriot. What about you, Jez? Have you have you? seen any particular rumours that have caught your eye or do you think there's any keepers in uh, elsewhere in the league or in Europe that Ren could be could be looking I saw I saw the same rumour or I saw a tweet from I think it's an Italian journalist saying Gomez to, to Ren is done I don't know if that's true or not but um, it does seem the, the sort of obvious move in, in many ways yeah it does it does make a lot of sense um Moving on, then does more recently we've seen um, we've seen lots of rumours flying around. With I think I alluded to this last time with players um, that perhaps in in previous seasons we wouldn't have associated with with Wren. That now that they're in the Champions League, they have the pull power to to get players like Jeff Wren Adelaide, who's obviously looks like he's he's set to leave Lyon, and um, Mohamed Simakan as well at Strasbourg, who's a very promising centre back. Um, Thomas, do you think this team have a realistic chance of finishing in the top three come the end of the season based on where they're at now and some of the players they're being linked with? Um, I'd say probably. Um, the The squad itself is, has um, drastically improved really over the past, past few seasons. Um, there's a lot of good young talent there and I think it's it's interesting to see what they're doing because they're Especially with a, a, a player like Simakan, they're, they're picking up, you know, um, promising and well well established talents in the league from the from you know smaller teams um, that probably need the money. Just quite a, an interesting way that we've seen in other divisions, um, other clubs have, have 
a dot sort of done the same sort of thing. Um, I think last season, I think George Jess will agree, agree with me here, but they, I think if the the, the whole um, season played out, they probably wouldn't have been finished where they were. So, and they did get lucky on some occasions, but if you look at the actual squad they've got, and they seem to be a relatively stable club compared to some of their challenges like like Leon, um, etc. Um, I, I reckon they they should be challenging still for for them spots coming into the season. Do you agree with that, Jez? Yeah, I do. I think um, Leon are still a complete mess. Most of it self-inflicted, and and Ren Adelaide is just the latest. But latest, I know that some Leon fans think that. Um, he's acting badly, but I, I tend to agree that he has been treated a little bit shoddily. Um, and so, yeah, Lyon still seem a mess. They've really stuffed up their, their sort of attacking options, and that's what's been costing them so far this this season, um, even though it's, it's early. Um, so I, I think they might struggle again. Monaco look stronger and more consistent. I think they might be up there. Marseille, I think, will really struggle to to match what they did last season. So, yeah, I, I think Ren at the moment, like, yeah, I think I'd, I'd probably put them as, as um, I don't know, favourites is the right word for, for a sort of top three. But I would, I think they're among the top best, best three squads at the moment, certainly. Mm-hmm. To be fair, I yeah. think they've underachieved for years. Sorry, I have to get yeah. a dig in there. <laughs> <laughs> I think I agree with, with everything that you've just said there. Um, so with that in mind, what do we think the score will be in the weekend's big top table clash? Let's start with you, Jez. Um, I, I always kind of, I'm always about to say, well, because of home advantage, and then then remember that it doesn't mean anywhere near as much at the moment. <laughs> um, I I think Ren are gonna uh, are gonna sneak this one. I think it'll be a good match, but um, I just think the the more experienced players, the fact that their their recruits have all settled amazingly quickly, I think Ren will get it two one. What about you, Thomas? Uh, go for a one-all draw. Okay, I think I'm going to agree with Jez and go for two-one victory to Ren uh, at this point. Especially if you know the Fofana saga is ongoing and he doesn't play because I think they they probably missed him last time out uh, at Santé. Okay, so right down to the other end of the table we go now as uh, struggling Dijon host Montpellier. Dijon, they're currently the Lantern Rouge. They're in last place. Uh, it's fair to say that they've had a torrid start to the season. They've scored one goal and conceded eight. Um, I think a lot of people had them as a shoe-in to go down last season. Um, so by that logic, we have to give Stefan Jobard credit for the job he's done. But surely, Jez, they've got to be favourite to go down this season. Uh, yeah, I think there are lots of people's tips yeah. to go down anyway, and certainly they haven't started well. And if they lose Gomez, who's um, for me one one of the stronger goalkeepers in the, in the league, and probably um, secured them quite a few points last year, even as well. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I think they're going to struggle. I don't think they've got any obvious sort of high scorers. Um, I think they've got reasonable but kind of sort of solid but relatively turgid defenders and midfielders who are going to be tough to break down. But generally, it certainly seems so far this season, um, most teams are capable of breaking them down. Um, and, yeah, I just I, I struggle, to, struggle to see how they're going to stay up, to be honest. Yeah, you kind of alluded to the recruitment um, side of things a little bit there. I mean, they lost, obviously they lost Naif Aguerd to, to Ren, which is, you know, a big miss at the back. Um, Steffi Mavdidi went back to Juventus, but has now gone to Montpellier. And they've also lost captain and talisman Julio Tavares. Um, interestingly, Tavares and uh, Mavdidi contributed, I think it was 10 of their 27 goals in Ligue 1 last season. So, you know, that's a, a sizable portion now missing. Thomas, do you think they've done well enough to replace 
these guys and and do you think recruitment could be could be the key reason that Dijon end up struggling this season? Yeah, <laughs> certainly. Um, I think the especially if they lose Gomez, um, I've seen this being a, another to lose, um, and spe- and also I think um, Munir Choya has, has been linked away from the club. So losing him as well um, would be. I mean, it's already looking pretty um, pretty dire at the moment for them. And I just don't. I don't see enough in their current squad that makes me think that they'll they'll be able to stay up. So over the next two weeks, what they do in the in the transfer window, um, I think will probably make or break their season. Just looking at the, there's been just been really really bad this. so far, um, looking at the un- underlying numbers, you know, in four games, have had an overall um, expected goals of 1.8 and an expected goals against of um, 11, which is, <laughs> terrible. is, is shocking. Um, so the fact that conceded A is probably down to, down to Gomez in that. Um, yeah. But yeah, so far, it's, it's not looking good for Dijon. Yeah, and who do we think Jez could be the difference maker for them? Is that is there anybody there who has enough quality to help them see things over the line in terms of defence or, or creativity going forward? Obviously, Thomas has mentioned uh, Munir Shuya, who is a very very talented player. He'd perhaps be one of my picks, but you know they are going to struggle, aren't they? Yeah, Shuya is definitely probably the the only player who you'd kind of say is a you know bit of a star. And mm-hmm. certainly, they should should hopefully look to make a bit of money from him. If, but you know, doing that this this summer would would yeah put pay to any chance of staying up. I think. I mean, I've always liked Samaritano. I think he's a he's a talented little player. But um, you know, he's aging now. You can't you can't expect him to turn things on week in week out. Maria pops up with important goals, but. Um, He's not a striker. It's not. It's not his job to to um, to be the one to to kind of um, yeah. W- I guess win matches for them. So and you know Shidlow's he's kind of who they brought in as the, as the main striker. I know he scored against Lyon, but I haven't been particularly impressed with him either. So I just yeah. I, yeah, Shuya for me is the only match winner at the moment. And um, as as Thomas said, there's a good chance he might leave. And even if he doesn't, um, he can't do it all himself. It's unfair to to put that on on a 21 year old anyway. I agree, and I think when when Schiedler is your main threat to goal, I mean, I I saw him a little bit for Orléans in in Ligue 2, and he got a few goals, but. I'm not sure he's really cut out for this level. I may eat those words, but you know, when when that's your potentially your main goal channel, other than um, is it Asale, the striker they bought in from Young Boys? I think. Yeah. Who, who, Roger Asale. I, I don't know much about him, but he he doesn't have a particularly good scoring record, or at least when he was playing in La Liga last season. So, yeah, I think I think they're really going to struggle. Um, moving on then to the team they are hosting in Montpellier. Um, who currently find themselves in third place and also as the league's top scorers. We'll come on to that in a minute, but Thomas, we'll start with you because they did uh, triumph 4-1 over Angers last time out. <laughs> did you get to see them in that match and, and how, how did they look? How impressed were you with, with Michel de Zakarian's side? I mean, in that match, it was more failures of Angers' defence than, than Montpellier's... Uh attack but the, I mean especially the, the final goal that um, Molay scored they're just they're becoming a very clinical a cl- very clinical team to face um, and you've got I can see why some <laughs> some people don't like them because they are quite a rough rough team um, they do commit a lot of fouls um, especially with Delore and, and Laborde up, up, up front um, dovetail off each other um, but I mean, so far for them, it's been it's been very exciting, and they've got you know a player in in Savanier who's who's 
looked like he's he's getting back to you know the form we remember him at Neil. I think he's playing further forward, which is I might I prefer when he when he used to play deeper at um back at back at Neem, but I can see why Desakarian wants him further up the pitch and he, he sort of picks up little spot um, little pockets um and he's just such a he's a little, little magician that just runs around the pitch. Um and he has a bit a little bit more of a a sort of a free freer role um to roam a little, um more and they have two two Midfielders behind him in, in Ferry and I think it's Latalek that aren't as um, dynamic going forward and sort of protect the space that he he sometimes leaves open. Um, but they were very impressive and especially I was impressed by um, Ristich, the the left back. He uh, had a, a fun time down the left hand side against uh, Angers full back. Um, so they, I think they probably need a little bit more in squad depth um, and obviously they've. They brought in Mavadidi, who gives you a, a different option than than Laborde. Um, but I mean, at least so far this season, they've been they've been uh, an impressive team to watch. They have indeed. I mean, you know, Dzakarian is a, a manager who's not necessarily renowned for exciting football. Perhaps you know that reputation is somewhat more unwarranted given recent seasons. But there is that story where. Nantes owner Valdemar Quita was so kind of disgruntled with the way that the football had been played under De Zakarian that during his um, goodbye speech to the fans in the stadium, apparently the Nantes president asked for the stadium announcer to play the music uh, loudly over the tannoy so that he <laughs> couldn't even hear him speak. So, so yeah, so I guess my question is, um, I, I'll ask you both, but maybe starting with Jez, are Montpellier the best side to watch in the league? Um, we'll come on to the best side to watch in the league, I think, next. <laughs> not at the moment, no. Um, they've had a really good start. I'm not, I don't know about the best side to watch, um, but, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of it's bizarre because De Zakarian is, is known as such a defensive coach and certainly his time at Montpellier so far has very much been based on, on defence. So um it, it's a refreshing change to see them scoring, to see um Suke and Ristich on on the on the two wing bats really getting involved as well. Um I can't I, t- I tend to agree with Thomas that, you know, although they're free scoring, it's not necessarily the most beautiful football in terms of the you know the, the two strikers they've got. They're not gonna sort of they're not the type who are going to sort of pirouette past three or four defenders on their way to scoring. It's more sort of um, brute strength. But um, it's certainly more fun to watch this kind of Montpellier than, than the ones that are basing sort of all their success on, on Mendes and Hilton being impossible to get past. Yeah, and I think that's there's only so so long that they will be able to do that or perhaps not you know Hilton just seems to be able to keep going and keep going and keep going I I want whatever that back line are eating and drinking um and yeah it was I thought it was interesting as well that in the in this week's GFFN uh piece in the Guardian uh De Zakarian's willingness to compromise in his marriage as he reported in an interview um was compared with kind of what he's doing now at Montpellier in terms of compromising on perhaps his preferred style of football, given the players he's got. So it'll be interesting to see whether this kind of, you know, racking up the goals will continue. Uh, Let's go to our score predictions then on this one. Thomas, we'll start with you. How do you see this one playing out? Um, 2-0 Montpellier. And you, Jez? I was going to go the same. Oh... I'll go for the same margin. I'll say 3-1. Oh, well, I was going to go for a 2-0 as well. So just to make it a full house of, of different predictions, I'll go for for 2-1 and Dijon picking up a very unlikely late consolation goal. <laughs> okay, so now let's move on to our final match of the podcast. Oh, I should say, in fact, before doing that, uh, we'll have an update on the Rams score. They are in the 120th minute, but Thomas Fockett has been sent off in the 115th minute. So 
that one looks like it's perhaps heading to penalties and we will try to keep you up to date with that. Um, so, yes, moving on now to our final match, which is Nîmes hosting Lens. Uh, we'll start with the home side, um, who won their opening game 4-0 against Brest before losing a couple and then getting a solid 0-0 draw against Lyon. Although just how solid or impressive that is against Rudy Garcia's side perhaps is up for debate uh, now. Um, I want to focus on a recent transfer. So how much of a blow do we think it will be for Nîmes having lost winger Roman Filippotto to, to Brest? I think when he joined from Auxerre in Ligue 2, it's fair to say that people were somewhat bemused. I, I certainly was. I don't think he'd had the best season that season in, in, in Ligue 2, but he's been quite an important player for them, chipping in with goals, um, especially even the start of this season. Will that be a big blow for Nîmes and their hopes for survivals and it's all potentially kicking on further from that this season, Jez? Um, I, d- I don't expect it to be a huge blow. Um, he's He's a solid player and he, he's got good experience, obviously. But I, I, I like this new team. I don't know if that's what Thomas was alluding to earlier um, when he was talking about um, uh, the, the, the team that sort of plays the most attractive football in, in Ligue 1. But certainly if I was sort of paying to, to see any team play, Nîmes might be up there, not necessarily for what they do, but I just I just like the way that they always give it a go. And so you're going to see goals probably um, one way or the other. And I don't think they've got um, the sort of deepest squad. So in that sense, um, Philippe Potter might be a bit, of a, a bit of a loss. But I do think there's some really talented players there. And certainly the way he started the season, um, Fairhat, for example, he's he's the one that I was really excited to, to see go up to, to Ligue 1 last year. And he didn't really um, hit the heights at all. But I think he started this, this, this season really well. Um, I worry that there aren't too many obviously high high goal scorers in the squad but i think they've got enough football talent that that Filippo Potto won't won't be such a big miss um it, possibly at the end of the season you know if, if they're in a bit of a relegation battle and and you need that extra little bit of of nous and calm he he might um they might wish they still had him but hopefully it won't come to that and i don't think it should i think i'm hoping anyway that that Nîmes will continue the, the the good football that they've been playing and and they'll be a little bit more comfortable than they were last year yeah and i think that um as you say given uh, Fairhat's strong start to the season i think he started last season quite well but then kind of faded a bit didn't he i think as the team yeah. as the team were kind of struggling but they are clearly, you know, scoring more goals than they were at least at the start of last season, give or take. I think there was one kind of emphatic uh, win at the Costier early on, but they did struggle a bit with that. And you kind of alluded to it a bit there, Jez, the kind of frantic, energetic, uh, attacking football that um, that they can play. Um, do you think that perhaps more than last season, Thomas, we're closer to seeing uh, kind of return to that? that kind of blistering football that we saw when they first got promoted in the 18-19 season? Or is it just, you know, a good run of games where they've been able to to rack a few goals together? I think it's probably the the latter of that because the that initial season was was heavily based on uh, Savonier and his, his performance in the team. But like you said, they are very energetic and I really do like the... The midfield partnership that's forming now between, I mean, they, they have um, Lamin Fomba and the new um, sign they've, they've had, which uh, Kubas, who was very good on the weekend. Mm. Um, I think they've, all, they've also got Luca Doe, so they've just they've got sort of a trio of of um, of midfielders who are heavily, um, very energetic, very aggressive pressers um, that will that will really try and protect that back line which I don't think is very convincing but it's um a very combative team so that they'll, they'll base a lot of their a lot of their fight in the center of the the pitch for sure for sure um and let's move on to to Lance, who are who are visiting Nîmes um they uh have obviously started the season very well as a newly promoted side 
they sit fourth after four games with three wins and one defeat. That defeat was the first game, if I'm not mistaken, where they played Nice. And actually, I think we're probably a bit unlucky not to get something out of that game. Um, what do we think has been key to Lance's bright start in Ligue 1, uh, Jez? Um, well, for a start, bad, bad PSG goalkeeping. Certain, <laughs> uh, I mean, certainly from the, from the attacking point of view, it's probably down to Kakuta and Ganago, who, who both have looked excellent. Um, I, I, we all know Kakuta's a good player who maybe sort of suffered from the, getting that sort of next Zidane tag too early in his career. But um, we've seen at Amia. Um, how talented he can be and what a great playmaker he can be and he certainly obviously he's been at Longs before so he's settled very quickly and, and looks really comfortable straight away in the team and Ganago is one of those players who maybe because of the the big overhaul and the new kind of project at Nice wasn't wasn't really given a, a fair crack of the whip so I think it was it showed probably um, good judgment by him to, to move even though maybe it was kind of um, ostensibly a, a step down but if it's in order to to get regular football then then it makes perfect sense and and he's sort of grabbing the opportunity as well yeah how how impressed have you been i i know that a lot's been said of ignatius ganago um so far this season given his performances thomas but how impressed have you been with him and obviously this is a guy who had a bit of a frustrating time at at Nice, partly probably a victim of the football being played and also kind of not always being played as a as a striker. Um, yeah, what have you made of him so far this season and where do you think his ceiling is? Because he's still only 21. Yeah, it's, it's strange to, to think he's still that young. It feels like he's been around for much longer than that. Um, but as, as Jess, Jess alluded to there, you know, he was at Nice and he was mostly played out on the, the wing. Um, he only came on substitute appearances and he did okay in the, in the limited time he had. Um, but it, it it seems like he's really flourishing at, at Lance and his, his relationship with, with Kakuta is, is sort of flourishing and Kakuta loves playing through the through balls to, to him or um, Satoka, uh, who's his, his strike partner. Um, and I think, you know, we always knew he was a fairly talented player, but it's, it's nice to see that he's now got his chance to to prove that, um, I'm not sure what what his ceiling is, but um, I think we'll know much better come the end of the, the season. Um, but I'm really impressed by both. I mean, Kakuta has been sort of revived from his lull of Amion last season, um, mm-hmm. and he's just he's he's, he's running um, really really hard every game. He's pressing players very very hard and disrupting opposition build-up um, uh, from deep. And uh, it's really nice to see that, you know, he's, he's returned to to Lance and, and um, also he's really enjoying himself. Yeah, and I think it's important to note for, for people who maybe don't watch Ligue 1 every week and maybe associate um, him with his time at Chelsea and kind of the various loan moves that perhaps didn't work out, that Kakuta really is a player who has is capable of special things and has his moments, yeah. you know, and yeah. he's by, may not have fulfilled that high potential that, that Jez alluded to, but he's certainly uh, uh, a really fun player to have in Ligue 1. So given that where Lons are, you know, as I say, fourth in the table after four games, they've not lost since the opening day. They've genuinely spent money as well. If you think of players like Sekul Fofana, who's come in, um, it's a big, club as well you know at least in terms of they won't be benefiting i guess from from getting people into that into that stadium but they are a big club with a very passionate fan base can with all of these factors in mind can is this a team that can realistically aim higher than survival and a team that can be looking to kind of secure a place maybe even in the in the top 10 this season what do you think about that jez we'll start with you yeah, de- definitely top ten. If it, I mean, obviously, if they they continue the the, the sort of um, the form that they've begun with, um, I think. I mean, 
sort of similarly to the to the Premier League, you've got the, the, the clubs you expect to be at the top and you've got a couple you expect to be at the bottom and the ones in the middle are relatively sort of homogenous. And I think that, um, you know, with the sort of perfect storm of, of um, you know, avoiding serious injuries and, and um, you know, having a goal scorer on form which, and a good, good goalkeeper who can sort of win you maybe a couple of extra points here and there um, having sort of a bit of luck of playing PSG at just the right time that kind of thing as well I mean that they are all factors and you know we always see every year how, how close and how sort of concertina the, the table often is um, and it often can be literally one or two points to make the difference between um you know, the outskirts of the Europa League and, and um, being sort of in relative danger of relegation. Um, so, you know, I, I expect it to be that close again this year. And, and certainly there's no reason at all why Lens can't be. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I certainly would expect them to be mid-table. I'm not, I, I don't think they'll struggle um, this year at all. I think they've, um, it hurts me to say it because, <laughs> really really don't like them but um i think they they've had a good summer um to be fair to them they, they've sort of i was going to say they've bided their time i mean they haven't done it on purpose they've they failed <laughs> to go up um sometimes in the yeah. most cruel and for me hilarious ways but um you know that they they've served their time is probably what i mean in league death and that they've earned their 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 right to go back to league and um yeah as i said i think i think they've set themselves up very well to have a have a decent season just a quick word on that thomas do you agree that that they they're on the verge of having a or i guess starting what could be a very exciting season for them yeah i think so i mean they were the team that I referred to before as being the most exciting oh. at the moment, um, because they've. I thought it might have been by again. Yeah. <laughs> they've just so far they've just blown away teams. I mean, Bordeaux. We were. I mean, we were saying had a a strong, a strong back line, and then Lance. I mean, kind of battered them for a portion of the game. Um, and they did that to. I remember they did that to Nice in the in their first game as well. I mean, Bordeaux did get. A, I think it was by sent off, but even before that they were. Lance were uh, were on top, so I think they'll, they'll, they might have a, a pretty strong season now in Liga. Exciting times in the north of France. Uh, well, for some, perhaps not <laughs> for Mess supporters or other supporters of clubs in that region. Let's go to our score predictions then for this one. Um, we'll go back to you, Jez, for this one first. How do you think things will go? Four nil, Nim. <laughs> <laughs> very objective <laughs> um, on form it probably is my bias talking on form Lance should win but I'm going to go with a s- an entertaining 2-2 draw what about you Thomas um, 2-1 Lance win okay I was going to go for the 2-2 as well. So we'll say a 3-2 win for Lance. And there'll probably be a red card in there because it's Lance and there seems to be one for somebody every game. We have Kawasak, so... <laughs> Kawasak's on the special. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so finally, to end this evening, we do have the full-time score in the Rams match in the Europa League. Uh, they have unfortunately lost 4-1 on penalties um, to uh, Ferrevar, as or Ferrevar, I think is... Thomas excellently pronounced them um, at the start of the show. Obviously, this is a big blow for David Guillon's side, who've not started the season particularly well, considering their consistency in recent seasons. Um, do we think this will be a big blow for them? Uh, or do we think that this will spur them on now in the league to start to pick themselves up and you know get things going? Thomas, what do you think? It is a shame to, to see them not. Um, not qualify for the Europa League. Um, it would be a nice, nice return to it for been in European competition for for a long time. Uh, like you said, they they've really struggled in in Liga so far, and I think they've got PSG on the weekend, so <laughs> mm. um, it might not go 
so well at the moment, but I don't I don't fear them having a, a difficult time staying up. But it's it is a shame that they didn't haven't qualified for Europe. Uh, but it's a good project there and, and David Guillaume is is a a strong manager, um as we as he's sort of proven over the past past few seasons. So I think they'll probably be back back in Liga and, and try and push for maybe not Europe, but a strong mid-table, I suppose. Yeah, and, and lastly, Jez, do you think there is a particular reason why they've had such a, a difficult start to the season? I mean, the Europa League campaign won't have helped, but yeah, what what do you think that could be down to? I think that that's got to be a factor. I mean, we've seen it before. Strasbourg had a, a slow start last year as well. And, and um, you know, with these European games coming every week, at the same time as them um, starting the new season. Um, I think Dissazi is obviously a, a miss as well, so they, as they, they get used to a new centre-back pairing. Um, I think just all those factors together, um, probably even to an extent kind of dealing with the disappointment of finally getting back into Europe and the fans not even be, being able to see it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I think it's a blow in that it's a it's a real shame that they're not going to have a longer run. Um, sadly, I think as as Ligue 1 fans, we're sort of used to this happening in in the Europa League. Um, but um, I agree with Thomas. I think arguably it might be better for them in the long run in terms of Ligue 1. I, I, I don't think there'll be any issues there. But um, yeah, it hasn't been a great start. Um, you know, you can see Messi's first goals of the season. That's that's not that's not a good sign. <laughs> oh, there you go. Well, we hope for better luck for for Ligue 1 sides Lille and Nice uh, in the Europa League, who I believe are already through to the group stage. So we will see how they do. Anyway, thank you very much for joining me tonight, guys. As always, please be sure to check us out on Twitter at gffn and on our website get footballnewsfrance.com for all your French football needs in English. I've been Jake Smales and I've been joined by Thomas Wiseman and Jeremy Smith. Thanks very much for listening. Enjoy the football and have a great week.